Everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we've got my good friend Bob Lachance with Riva Global, and Bob flew in from Hartford, Connecticut, to share how he went from playing professional hockey to having a thousand VAs under management, two hundred deals in twenty twenty two. Now I am on a mission to create a hundred millionaires. The information on the show is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you'll take consistent action, you will become one. Recently, I've been hearing a lot of people say things like, "My acquisition guys aren't buying deep enough." Or my dispo guys just can't sell our deals anymore. If you're hearing things like this and you wanted to get better, text leaders to 33777. And the show is brought to you by our sister company, InvestorLift. Get access to over 2 million cash buyers across the country. Go to InvestorLift.com, put in disruptors to get 10% off. And if you get value today, please tag it from below. Share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And we do have part in the disruption tomorrow and certainty talks on Friday. This is a live show, so please ask your questions for Bob to answer. You ready? I'm ready. All right. You might want to put the mic a little bit yeah, closer. A little closer. Down. There yep. you go. Is that better? Yep. Good right, stuff. Perfect. So what was your life like before you got into real estate? My life, what was it like? Well, I played professional hockey like we talked about, mm -hmm. like you said at the beginning, for eight years, uh, four years here in the U.S., four years in Europe, and uh, so it was, you know, hectic. Every year you're trying to fight for another contract. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about this. Uh, you know, sports is a lot like business. You yeah. know, each day you're, you're trying to get a contract. You're trying to score a goal. You're trying to stay in the lineup. You're trying to get on the first line. You just keep trying and trying and moving forward, trying to win a championship. It's kind of the same stuff. With, always uh, a grind to get better. It's a grind every single day. Um, but that's the beauty of it, mm -hmm. right? I mean, what else would you do besides grind? Right. So there's really no days off. Zero days off. I mean, even in the summertime, you, you're you're running, you're exercising, you're skating, you're just looking to get better. Because Make sure you're not eating horribly. <laughs> not eating horribly. Everything. So you look at it, and, and I look at it as, um, you know, your competition is going to beat you. Mm -hmm. So you have to 100% keep going. I mean, how much is on your mind that someone else is coming for your roster spot? Every day. Every day. Every single day. Same thing with, it, with our real estate business, right? right? In the VA business and the real estate business, it's someone's going to take that deal, mm -hmm. right? They're going to... You have, you have $30,000, $50,000 checks sitting there, and someone could go be take, could take it. Same right. exact thing. You know, one of the things I have, um, I preach leadership a lot, you know, yep. from a business, this and that. And one of the reasons why is that even though I'm helping everyone around me, mm -hmm. there's this productive paranoia where, like, they're also, like, gunning for your spot. So <laughs> I always need to get better because if I'm not, and they, don't, and, and they no longer see me as a vehicle for them getting better, why wouldn't they go do this on their own? Got to level up too. Always right. you get gotta better. You got to constantly yeah. level up. Uh, talk to me about grit, right? Because like, mm -hmm. I play basketball and basketball's fun, right? Yep. And I was never that great, but you know, I, I was always passionate about it. But in basketball, you know, there are some like tr devastating injuries, mm -hmm. but you don't really get as many bumps and bruises. Hockey's pretty physical. <laughs> I mean, talk to me about like recovery and grit and what it takes, like the the mental fortitude. Well, I think it, like you said, I mean, it is mindset. A lot of it's mindset because, you know, we're playing three games in three nights sometimes. And that's, really? you know, you get beat up. You get really, really beat up. First night, you know, you're all right. But you don't really sleep sleep, sleep that well that night. Next game, you're getting beat up. You, mm -hmm. you block a shot in the ankle. Your ankle's swollen. You got to ice it up. Um, every game we go in the cold tank, you know, you pull a groin or you tweak a groin or a, or a knee, you jump in the cold tank. And I don't know if you've ever jumped in a cold tank. But not a cold tank. I've, I've done ice baths, an, but not. It, oh, it's, it is cold. So every day you got to do that, and that's that's a mental grind. Mm -hmm. And just the mental, you know, you, you think about the game uh, mentally, not only physically, but mentally. 
you're talking about, you know, there's guys getting called up mm-hmm. um, from different organizations, from different levels, trying to take your job every single day. Yeah. And you're playing against the same type of guys. So they're right. gunning for you because they're looking to get better. They're looking to get called up or, or stay where they're at. So mm-hmm. it's it doesn't end. It's just a grind. It's the grit every day. Does it ever feel like a job? Uh, 100%. It was a job. It was a job? Yeah, you know, 100%. And you was know, there a do- point where like like hockey was a passion and then it no longer was a passion? Toward, towards the end of my career. Um, I started, probably the last two years I started looking at it saying, you know what? You, you get You get tired towards the end. You know, the summertime, you're not working as hard. You're kind of saying, all right. I know the end is near, mm-hmm. um, and you know you're not lifting as hard, you're not running as hard. You kind of know it's coming to an end, so you, your your mind starts changing a little bit, and that's what ha- that's exactly what happened to me. I knew, you know, for me, I had my first kid, I was married, and um, I'm looking to say, all right, what's going to happen next? What's going to be the next step? So mm-hmm. um, that is that's real in any athlete, and I, I don't know if you know this, but I have a podcast called Pucks to Properties. Yeah. And, uh, and the mission there is to, to help any athlete. Right now we focus on uh, hockey players because life after the transition is very, very difficult. You yeah. go through kind of a, a depression or a lull, however you want to look at it. And well, a loss of identity. Lo- Bingo. That's exactly what it is. It's yeah. your loss of identity. Your whole identity growing up is hockey. It's all mm-hmm. you have, and you're trying to say, what's next? Well, you know, I, I'm kind of curious right now with a lot of this uncertainty we're experiencing in our yep. real estate market. There are people that are getting uh, shut out, right? Like mm-hmm. there are people that – uh, have identified as a real estate investor, wholesaler, flipper, whatever, and business has changed a lot in the last six months. Yep. And if you're no longer actively wholesaling or flipping, you might lose your identity, mm-hmm. right? So, like, what are some things you're uh, giving people that maybe have lost their identity or maybe lost some hope? Yeah, I would I would say just set a goal. I mean, a lot of it's looking back at sports. It's, it's setting goals. If I'd first start with a long-term goal and then back it into your short-term goals. Um, the individual, especially we're talking about, um, I think it's going to be really important to, to see who your competition is. So if you're struggling as an investor and it's, it's, it's your company, I would start looking at maybe some competitors because if you start losing your identity, maybe you go work for them as an acquisition specialist mm-hmm. or maybe you could work for them as a, a dispo until you ride the wave. Yeah. Wave all. I think that's important, something to look at for, for individuals that are struggling. Got it. And then as far as the you know, the, the overarching message for the, the former hockey players that are getting mm-hmm. in the real estate, like what is, what, what are you telling them to help them transition their identity? Yeah, it, the best thing is start working with a team. Yeah. Um, when you start doing, you know, the lone wolf thing, it mm-hmm. gets very, very difficult. Especially right now. Yeah. And I always say, you know, you need a mentor, you need coaches, you need a coaching, in my opinion, coaching program, because coaching is the 100% first thing you should always, always do is get a coach or a mentor. Yeah. You know, I was talking to uh, I was talking to Kong when we were in, yep. uh, in down Tampa uh, CG, and you know, we're recording video content, whatever. And one of the things that you know I kind of talked about was like, there's a reason why schooling exists, mm-hmm. right? Like, did you like try to figure out algebra on your own? Yeah, no. You try to figure out geography on your own? <laughs> no, no, right? Like, <laughs> there was like, here's how mm-hmm. we figured out algebra. Here's how we figured out geography. Now, yep. obviously, business is different, but you know. This idea that I'm just gonna figure this out on my own and I don't need anybody's help, right, is insane. It's it makes no sense to me now. I mean, there's a lot of content, of course, we know online, but sure. there's no set. So obviously, um, I don't know if everybody knows this, but we're part of your your program, right? Yeah. Obviously, your sales um, training. And the one thing that you do very well is you put it in a, in a systematic order how you're gonna work each call. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important for anything. You have a mentor. How, how do you know how to run a business? If you're a wholesaler, yeah, you, you know you got. 
You got to learn how to market. You got to learn how to negotiate, right? And you got to mm-hmm. learn how to sell. Yeah. Really, I mean, that's really wholesaling in a nutshell. But if you don't have a map on how to do it, you're going to be floundering. And if you're you flounder, you can flounder for two, three, four years, and instead of getting a coach right away. Right. I mean, yeah, sales, marketing, financing, hiring, yep. managing, payroll. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of stuff right there. Right. Just a few things yep. along the way. Uh, so we had Dean Rogers on the show uh, uh, previously, and one thing we talked about was the importance of practice, right? Because mm-hmm. there's so many people that like to wing it. Yeah. So how much time did you practice? You're saying three days and three nights. How much time were you practicing in hockey? Oh, probably six days a week. Yeah. Um, and for pretty much what you'd do is you'd practice probably about two hours a day, and then you'd also work out. So it's not just <laughs> practice on two ice, hours, yeah, and then work out, off and ice. then game night. Yep. And also you have, like you said, yeah, you have your health involved mm-hmm. in that you have to you know you're eating right you're drinking right etc and the seasons are long you're playing 80 plus games in a year so yeah. that starts getting long uh, but i'll tell you one thing it was great for me i would never ever um if i had to go back i would do the same exact thing um mm-hmm. you know every single day and one thing that was fascinating that he shared and we've heard this right you listen to interviews of kobe bryant and this and that mm-hmm. right but something here from the greats you don't hear from everybody else is like practice should be harder Correct. than game day yep was that your experience in hockey? That was. Um, we had, we would battle because we're, you know, like I said, we started that before. We, we were talking a little bit about someone's taking your job. Every single day, somebody's taking your job. My daughter and my son are going through this right now. My, mm-hmm. A 15-year-old daughter plays plays uh, prep school, and she's battling to, to be in the top three lines. Mm-hmm. And just the stuff that we get to teach her on a daily basis is stuff that we went through. Yeah. Um, so it's really nice, you know, for me personally to be able to give back to her to say, hey, listen, you got to work hard. You got to be a hardest working player out there. You have to, you know, uh, work hard on this person. And we're going through each person. And it's, mm-hmm. it's very good for her to see in that type of light. You got to have great, you got to work ethic, but it starts in practice because if it doesn't start in practice, you're not going to play in the game. Yeah. One of the things I, I remember uh, hearing some time ago, right? Like uh, going to play golf and you're working on your, on your form on, on the driving range, right? Before golf. Yep. And the, the, uh, the line I heard was like, if you didn't have it, if you didn't bring it with you, you're not going to find it here. <laughs> That's right. That's... Um, so what made you then, I mean, you had this, this hockey career. Uh, what made you get into real estate? Um, well, first of all, I dropped out of school uh, when I was a senior in college. I didn't drop out. I signed a professional contract, so I didn't really drop out. But mm-hmm. I left before I got my college degree. And then, um, you know, towards the end of my career, I started investing in courses and reading books, et cetera. And there's one uh, one course that I bought, a gentleman by the name of David, David Winsnet, I believe he's an attorney, uh, but it was all about real estate, but nothing specific. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I started looking at that and I started, you know, looking at and doing a lot of research on um, the individuals that make the most amount of money. And it, everything, you know, I, you hear this a lot. Everything kept, uh, you know, pointing towards real estate, real estate, real estate. I was like, all right, um, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be owned, number one, meaning I think it was, I thought it was time for me to, uh, jump out on my own. You know, I've had coaches, I've had general managers, I've had all, everyone um, telling me what to do all the time. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know what? Now I think I want to go on my own. Yeah. So my decision for me was pretty easy because, um, I mean, my transition was not easy, but my decision was easy at mm-hmm. the beginning. Yeah. So let's talk about the transition. Yep. What was difficult about the transition? Uh, it was when you're a lone wolf, when you're, when you're part of a team for all of your life, literally all of your life, and you go out on your own, it's scary. Um, I didn't know anything about real estate. There's, I didn't have a coaching program. I didn't have a mentor. I had nothing. I had that literally that course that I bought. And that's just for context here. What year was this? This was 2004. 2004, right? Yep. We didn't have as much 
YouTube didn't exist yet. Nothing. Right. I'm not sure podcasting existed yet. No, there were local RIA groups. No podcasting. <laughs> local RIA groups. Local RIA groups. Yeah. So okay. Yep. So I joined my local RIA group. Um, I actually my the first deal I actually did. Um, I was farming areas, you know, driving around neighborhoods, and every sign I would see, there's whether it's an agent or a we buy house sign, I'd pick up the phone. Uh, and again, I I knew nothing about anything. I was I was literally following this course mm-hmm. and. Uh, one house was listed. I picked up the phone. It was kind of a dilapidated house. Uh, called the agent. The agent said, uh, all right, the property is listed for one eighty-five. You know, set up a showing. Ended up offering $145,000, and they accepted it. And I was like, uh-oh, what do I do next? Mm-hmm. I had no contractors. I thought I was a rehabber, right? Yeah. I really did. I had no contract. Um, I had no, or no contractors. I had, you know, some money put away, but no financing. Uh, so I had to find that, literally, contractors and financing right away. I ended up flipping that property, made $32,000. Nice. So did very well. You were able well. to flip your first deal. I was. Uh, it took about two months. Mm-hmm. First, it took a month to rehab the property, and then next month to sell. So it was pretty good. Um, yeah. But I also realized I had zero systems. Mm-hmm. Looked in the mirror, I'm like, all right, what do I do next? I've, I don't even know what business is. I, I do not know how to run a business. I came from a locker room. So, I, yeah. again, no mentors. Uh, so I joined a local real estate investment association. So, Got it. Um, but you... Looked like you were taking actions. You took a course, mm-hmm. or you bought a course. Yep. You took action. Still had no idea what you were doing, but you knew step one. Correct action, and that's what I always <laughs> say. You know, I think it was. Uh, you know, we talked about this. It's what's the first thing that you'd ever tell somebody mm-hmm. to do? It's you know, when you learn something, you have to Im- implement it and take action because mm-hmm. if you don't, you know, it's just sitting. You're you're going to be procrastinating for the rest of your life. Right. Yep. Yeah. Someone uh, again going back to Kong's thing. You know, he's asking me like, what are three things you got to do? Right. I uh, say so take action, learn from somebody, and keep doing it. That's it. That's really good advice. Uh, there's, there's, you don't. Very good. <laughs> there's not much more you have to <laughs> yeah, do than that. That's it. Uh, what would happen if you didn't close that deal? Um, I would have stayed in real estate. Yeah. So right, right after that happened, I actually joined my local group mm-hmm. and um, I saw a pre foreclosure speaker speak. Mm-hmm. And guess what? I wasn't a rehabber anymore. I was a short sales specialist. I bought their course, and then uh, after that event, I. Asked everybody in the group. I said, who's the top short sale guy in Connecticut? And mm-hmm. they all pointed to a gentleman by the name of Pat Precourt. Oh, Pat Precourt. Yep, Pat. Yep. Oh, I had no idea he was that yep. active. Yep, he was. Uh, he was my business partner for 10 years. Gotcha. And uh, so I got in. I went up to him. I said, Pat, listen, I'm not looking for a job. I'm just learning or I'm looking to join a team. And he said, hey, you know what? I'm looking to, uh, you know, build up my acquisition team. I'm looking for a door knocker. And I'm like, sure. I had no idea what that meant. But uh, literally, so on Monday, he gave me a list of pre-foreclosure properties, and I mm-hmm. door-knocked with a script. Not really much training at the beginning, and I door-knocked from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. every Monday through Friday for a year. Wow. Yep, to learn That's the business. consistency. Yep, to learn the business. My, yeah. my whole thought process was, all right, if this doesn't work out, at least I'm going to learn the business from ground up. Gotcha. And that's, again, like pretty consistent advice with what we told some people, right? Like, how do I get started? Well, if you don't know, like, go work with somebody. Correct. Go take action. Do what they tell you to do. And from there, you get to learn for free right. on their dime, right? And you're going to get paid along the yep. way. Yep. That's right? exactly, that was my, that was my mindset as well. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, um, you did your first deal and then you joined the RIA and then you were for Patrick. Yep. Uh, and then how long did that continue? So after the first year, um, we became partners mm-hmm. and then we started a, a, uh, short sale coaching program with a group down in Florida. Mm-hmm. That was 2000, probably end of 2005. Yeah. 
And then in 2007, uh, we got approached by our buddies from Fortune Builders. Mm-hmm. They weren't Fortune Builders before. We were flipping yeah. properties. Yeah. My buddy Stan Merrill, Paul Asian, and, and Conrad. And uh, so I would have Stan call me all the time. Hey, we got a deal with uh, with Bank of America because now I was negotiating short sales mm-hmm. at the time. So yeah. uh, after one year, I was door knocking. Then I found a door knocker, and then I was negotiating short sales with banks. And then 2007, while we're you know doing short sales, uh, they were they created a wholesale course and a rehab course, and they decided the next step is to start a coaching program. And they said, you know, Bob and Pat, I know you guys are running a, a coaching program right now. We want to get in that space. Do you guys want to be partners? Yeah. Uh, so we shook hands and said, yeah, let's let's uh, let's partner, start this. Uh, was this you talking about? You know, short sale guys down in, in Florida. Is this Chris McLaughlin or is this no, no? Else? Chris is my good buddy. No, this was uh, uh, Ryan, Angie, and Claude. Got it. Yep. Got it. Okay. So uh, you're doing short sales, you're negotiating short sales, and then you get your other buddies who say, hey, let's do this thing. It wasn't Fortune Builders. Let's do this thing yep. together. And that became Correct. Fortune Builders. Correct. Yeah. They, I mean, they had the LLC, but in their mind, it was Fortune Builders, but it wasn't Fortune Builders yet. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Chris was, uh, it, I, I remember back in the day seeing his videos online. <laughs> he was absolutely hilarious in the short sale yeah. world. Uh, but yeah, so that, that ended up being Fortune Builders. Okay. So- uh, talk to me about that journey. Like, mm-hmm. uh, so you're one of the founders. You're wh- so we're a handshake founder. Okay. So they, so it was those three guys and Pat and I. Mm-hmm. So our job was to create the coaching program behind the scenes. So yeah, create the materials that they're selling. Yep. And then they obviously they added in into the materials on top of it. Mm-hmm. But my main job was to build up the coaches. So yeah. I had to recruit, find them, um, and build up the coaching program from mm-hmm. ground up on the coaching side. Gotcha. Now. Fortune Builders, I believe, is one of the very few organizations that escaped unscathed from the FTC. Yep. Right? Um, but they do have a little bit of a bad rap from some of the other people within the industry. So like, what would you say to people that have had like a bad experience or don't, you know, don't look so fondly onto yeah. Fortune Builders? See, here, here's what I, I mean. I, I know those guys very well. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the greatest guys in the world. Uh, in in, in Here's the way I look at real estate education. I've been involved in a long time. Um, I look at it as you could have a, a gentleman like you mm-hmm. and then somebody that's different over here. We will give you the same program and give it to you, and you're going to be successful because mm-hmm. you'll take action. Yeah. You'll give it to that other person, and they'll, they won't take action, but they're going to be a victim. Mm-hmm. So, and in, in, we're in a victim society, unfortunately, right? We've become so that. Whereas, yeah. And I've coached thousands and thousands and thousands of individuals where – you know, you'll have the same person, but one person will take ap- action, the other person won't, mm-hmm. and then one person will, will be crying foul. It's just, yeah. for me, you know, I work my butt off all the time, especially in sports and in business, where, um, but when you start seeing that, it starts kind of, you know, it's not, the, it's not the right thing to do, but it is what it is. You know, game. Um, I was one of those guys that thought coaching was like a waste of money, right? I thought yep. it was a scam. And I, I had to hire a coach in 2010 because I had no options left. Right? I started in 2007. I had no options left. Like I had to hire a coach because if, if it didn't work with coaching, yep. then for sure, like I'm going back to the, the corporate world. Yep. And I remember I hired a coach, um, and that coach was a thousand bucks a month at that time, which mm-hmm. for me was a lot of money, right? Yep. Like and it was something I put in my credit card, you know, like because <laughs> I needed to make this work. You yep. know, I, I just did not want to go back to getting a job. And I remember it was a thousand bucks a month, and we went back to go implement what we learned, yep. right, from the conference as well as the support materials they gave us after the conference, right? And we came back four months later, and they put us a roundtable for everyone that was in the coaching program, like mm-hmm. the newer batch, right? This is the, you know, this group of people that signed up for coaching at this seminar. And I want to say there's about eight of us, and I'm mm-hmm. looking around the table, right? 
out of the eight people, they ask like, you know, what did you learn? What did you implement? What have you executed? And what have been your results so far? Where are you struggling? Right? It's typical yeah. coaching questions, yeah. right? And looking around the table, there was eight of us. I was the only one that took action. Yeah. Right. And I just was just sitting there in disbelief. And I was looking around, I was like, are you guys like really rich? Because like for me, a thousand bucks a month right. is a significant amount of money. Yep. I'm not gonna spend a thousand bucks a month and not do anything with that information. <laughs> That's, that's what I'm saying. You're you're a different person than the other indiv- yeah. other seven individuals. Yeah. So, uh, w- at which point did you go from working with fortune builders to uh, launching a, a VA company? It was funny. So, um, ever since from 2007 to you know 2000, let's let's say all those years, probably about five, six, seven years, mm-hmm. I was always asking Pat. I'm like, Pat, there's got to be there's got to be a product. There's got to be a service because when you're working with all these students. You know, when you give them homework assignments or action items and they don't take action mm-hmm. because of life got in the way or they're working part-time, they're working full-time, I was always looking for some sort of product or service out there to help. Yeah. And uh, 2013, I got introduced to what a virtual assistant was. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, huh, I think this is it. Yeah. And then uh, 2014, um, one of my coaches that I brought on as a Fortune Builders coach was doing a presentation on virtual assistants on how he uses them in his business. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, boom, there it is. There's a business. Yeah. So that's when the, the light bulb went off and then I launched my first company in 2014. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember when I first hired my VA, I think it was like 2010, 2011, it was like yep. my out desk, right? Yep, yep. Uh, and you just kind of see like this this uh, whole other industry of people just working overseas in yeah. off hours. Yep. Right? So you launched, you said it was 2014? So 2014, yeah. And it was, I mean, like you said, it was it was very common in the real estate agent space, but there was nowhere to be found in the investor space. Right. Yep. Yeah. So, what was it like launching that business? Because you know you already did the the real estate side, and it's working yep. for you. What was it like launching this other agency? Um, you know, and I had a business partner back then, like we talked about before. Um, and I like working with teams. Mm-hmm. Like I like working with people. I just for me, it's so we divided and conquered. And so part part of the business I was taking care of, part of the business he was taking care of. Mm-hmm. He was flying back and forth from from the Philippines. Uh, we were actually working with my outdesk at the beginning, mm-hmm. so it was a really good way for us to understand and learn the business and how it works. Um, you know, it is not the easiest to start a business in another country, as you, you're aware of. Um, but it was for me, it was really interesting, and the stuff that you learn along the way that you pick up. You know, I lived in Europe for a while, so I wasn't afraid to, you know, spread my wings, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, but the, the lessons that we learned at the beginning uh, allowed us to be successful over time. Uh, I watched a video you guys have posted. Uh, I want to say it was about a week ago. It was pretty cool, right? You're like your first uh, company event since COVID. Yeah. You right? saw you saw that? I saw that video. It was nice. pretty cool, right? Yeah. And like your people are so happy yep. and thrilled to be working with the company, which I think is like the best thing, right? Like yeah. the people are happy. That's the most important thing because now you know you're doing a good job. Yep. Uh, so uh, I've had private conversations with other people that own VAs. VA companies, yep. right? And the the conversation goes something along these lines, and I'd like to get your perspective here, <laughs> right? Uh, you got wholesalers, you get realtors, and you have these other industries, mm-hmm. right? Um, realtors are crazy. We've kind of like, you know, I think beaten that uh, horse to death on the show. Uh, but he said it was easier to have a realtor with a longer term um, retention okay, uh, than wholesalers. Because he, in his experience, wholesalers tend to be less focused and all over the place. Gotcha. What has been your experience? Well, it's funny. I, the, the, way, the way that was presented is actually funny. Um, you know what? 
real estate investors. So I'll, I'll break it down this way. We have real estate investors. You know, the, the groups we're all part of, right? Um, Almost like 50-50 Mavericks. Yeah. Like, you're a Maverick or something else, but that's like. <laughs> but they'll get advice, Mavericks. right? They'll get advice mm-hmm. and without thinking, they'll make a decision. Yeah. So it's like, well, you should cut costs. So then they fire half their staff, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Whereas an agent, they're, you know, slow and steady mm-hmm. over time. You know, if they're a top producing agent and they're using their virtual assistant exactly like they want them, you know, they keep them. But, mm-hmm. you know, real estate investors are typically, they make decisions just like that. And then, yeah, well, you, uh, and Colby would call it quick starts. Yep. Oh, right. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, then you realize a lot of a lot of clients like that will come back after like, oh, I probably shouldn't have done that because now I have to actually cold call or mm-hmm. I have to actually do the text yeah. message or I have to do that. Yep. So that's, you know, I, I find the same thing. You found the same, the same thing. thing as yep. well? Uh, so in 2014, starting it, you know, you've got YouTube, but you don't have Instagram. You don't yep. have Facebook as a marketing tool necessarily. Yep. How did you grow a business in the investor world on VAs? Because it might not... I don't think it was an easy sell at that time. Right. Um, it was mostly going to, to masterminds and mm-hmm. events, um, setting up booths. So at that time, it was it was more uh, boots on the ground, if you will. Right. It's yeah. going to collective genius. Collective genius has been huge for my business. Gotcha. Any challenges as far as building the agency, or what? Cha- <laughs> I mean, not any challenge. What yeah. challenges come to mind? Yeah. What challenges? You know, it's getting the word out there. Just like anything else, when there's when there's more competition out there, mm-hmm. um, you get that. Um, you know, you'll have one individual speak to say, Hey, you could get a $2 virtual assistant. I'm like, and that, that drives me nuts. Cause I'm like, really show me where you could get a $2 <laughs> virtual assistant. And if you could, could they speak English? Could they articulate? Like, w- what are you getting? Yeah. Um, you know, I've seen, even at some of these masterminds, I've seen individuals, you know, speak on virtual assistants. Oh, I got a $3 VA. And I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, so you see the same thing I do a lot of times, but I would say that's one of the, the challenges that you're always going against, just like anything else, price. It's right? a race to the bottom. Yep. It's a race yeah. to the bottom, bottom. But you get what you pay for. Yeah. And there's constantly, you know, uh, I think uh, it seems like every every other day there's a new VA company mm-hmm. that's sprouting. Yep. So, like, how do you stay ahead of them or how do you ensure uh, client retention? You know, it's consistency and it's referral base. A lot of a lot of stuff that you do, and we do. We're doing a lot more Instagram, so mm-hmm. we're we're out in front all the time. And I think once you hit in the virtual assistant world, once you hit a certain level, um, you know, you could always build off it because you have a foundation, you have a base. Whereas the newer individuals don't understand, just like Holson, right? They don't understand that you're not going to make money until you hit a certain level, mm-hmm. and then you got to build off of that. So right. it's it's kind of like what uh, what Frank Kava said: you got to know your numbers, right? Mm-hmm. What's your bottom line? Yeah. And then getting to a thousand is no small feat. Yep. Right. So, you know, like, is it similar? Like, I guess putting it for myself, right? Going from like yourself to your first hire, that's a that's a milestone, right? Yep. And then to like five employees is a milestone. And then like ten is like another like cause now you gotta have people in between, oh, yeah. right? Yep. You got layers now. Yep. Building a thousand, like like how many layers, like how complicated is all that? So, you know, it's it's not that bad because it's the same kind of concept. So you have whatever ratio you have. We have a client service manager, which is a manager over, you know, we have a manager over a virtual assistant and their client. Mm-hmm. So there's always a ratio. So if it's one manager for every 30 pairs, right? Mm-hmm. I know different companies work different. Ours are like one manager for 26 pairs. Got it. So that's the way we do it. We also have, I think one of the most important things for us is we diversified as well uh, to where we 
we have a big footprint on the medical division as well. So we have real yeah. estate, med, and I think I think the best thing to do for any virtual assistant company, you know, I'm very transparent in what I say, you know yeah. that, um, it's to always look at different uh, lines of businesses or verticals because, you know, it, it's three-legged stool. If you're, It's kind of like real estate. If you're only focused on wholesaling and the economy changes, you're going to be in a tough spot. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, dang it, there was another question I was going to ask. Um, so, you, you mentioned you partnered with Pat Precourt. Yep. And the guy seems to be like the guy when it comes to mindset. Yep. Right? Uh, what lessons have you learned from him? You know, he's taught me a lot. Um, one of the things, one of the lessons, even at the beginning, um, was, and this is not on the mindset side, but it's more of on the process side. He said that you have to document every single thing you do um, because you have to look at, you know, whether it's a year, two years, three years, you have to document everything like you're going to sell it. Right. And this mm -hmm. is, he started back in 2004. It's the first thing he taught me. I'm like, all right. And I had no idea. Like I, I was so green. I had no idea. So that's one of the first things. And, and I've never met um, someone who is more mentally tough than that guy. Mm -hmm. He's, he's very, very mentally strong, mentally tough guy. Um, again, he was my first mentor. Um, he taught me everything in business. So um, yeah. Oh, and that was going to be the next question is who mentored you along the way? Yeah, so Pat did. And then, you know, obviously Than Merrill along the way and, mm -hmm. and Paul Asian and all those guys. Um, I think that was a huge benefit for, for us and for me personally. I literally got an MBA every time we had managers meetings when those guys moved to uh, San Diego. And we'd have these, uh, you know, the, we, the quarterly managers meetings. They were incredible because I, you know, again, came from the locker room. I didn't get any of this stuff. And when I was exposed to that, just, you know, light bulb went on and just yeah. you get to see things in a different light. What are some of your uh, biggest victories? Biggest victories? Um, we talking about sports or we talking about anything? Obviously, kids is one of them, of course. Yeah. Well, definitely life, yeah. right? Life and life. business. Yeah. Uh, I would say we won a national championship in college or in university yeah. back in 1995. That was pretty cool. Uh, it was, uh, uh, where'd you go? Boston University. Boston. Okay, yeah. so they got a pretty good program. Yeah, yeah right. they do. So Frozen Four. Frozen Four. And you won the championship. Yep. That's yeah. pretty awesome. Actually, one of the biggest lessons, if you ask me what my biggest lesson was, it was probably losing 9-1 in, in the finals the year before on ESPN. You want to get embarrassed? <laughs> so the year after that, we beat everyone by four goals. But yeah. if that never happened, you know, we probably wouldn't have been, you know, we wouldn't have been as focused. So what did that do to you guys? So you lost 9-1 nine, one nine, in, one. in the finals? In, in the finals in 94. Yep. Okay. One of the most on, on national, on ESPN, it was pretty, <laughs> pretty embarrassing. But uh, yeah. in retrospect, I mean, it's probably the best thing that ever happened. So what, did, what lessons did you take from that? Um, focus, you know, focus and preparation, I think mm -hmm. is important. Um, yeah. you know, we come in the next year, we literally had blinders on, no one's going to beat us. We were going to be, we we're going to be the best of the best. I think we we're top two in the nation all mm -hmm. year. And you know, we won every, every, uh, tournament we were in and, uh, beat everyone by four goals all the way through. So it was just really the principle of no distractions. Correct. Right. Like, Correct. like, Hey, what about, no, there's yep. one, there's one clear goal. And I think that's one of the really, uh, great advantages in sports at least right yeah. is like when you start off the year is very rarely is like man i hope we make the playoffs right, right. yeah and if it's i hope i make the playoffs well you're probably not a very good team right right yeah. but like everyone it's like i want the win i want to win a ring mm -hmm. i want to bring home the trophy this or that yep. and everything is geared towards that it's like win, alabama right, right? it's alabama one football. singular goal yep um so we don't have that in, in, in business i mean you've got multiple businesses yep Right, I actually had a, a, a lunch with Jason Medley, right, founder of Collective yep. Genius. He's like, you want, to, you want me to tell you what your problem is? It's like, <sighs> <laughs> you're saying, oh, what, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go. Right, 
He's like, you don't focus. It's like, it's not wrong. Yep. Right. Yep. So, but in sports, you got one singular focus. So for you, I mean, how many businesses do you have? Well, let's start with that, that yep. first question. How many businesses do you have? The main t- main two right now is obviously our real estate business and my VA business. Okay. So how do you ensure both co- both companies are going into the same target? Uh, I think you have to have good team, the, uh, great team members, I mm-hmm. should say. Um, you know, Adam divides my business partner in real estate. Um, mm-hmm. He leads the ship on that side of it. Um, he's got focus, ex hockey guy too. Uh, mm-hmm. So his his focus is you know he wants to be as big or better than anybody else. You know, you right. look at the top guys like New Western, right? Of course, they're way up there. But if you yeah. set a focus, you know, and you hit halfway, you're pretty successful, yeah. right? So you set goals like that. My RVA side, one of the you know, one of the uh, the goals that we had is to hit 1,000 VAs. Mm-hmm. Um, and we hit that this year, which is phenomenal. That is phenomenal. Yeah. And if you set that goal and you keep going, you just, I mean, I mean you know that. And in, in, in any type of individual that has goals, it's once you hit it, it's kind of like, huh, eh. you know, <laughs> you, yeah. you hit it and you just keep going. What's next? What's next? Yeah. Uh, so you talked about winning a championship. What, what about some other victories you want to brag about? Um, obviously, one of them is – you know, the event we just ran in the Philippines, that mm-hmm. was our, our annual event. Um, we had, I think, around 600 of our virtual assistants there out oh, of 1,000. Wow. So it was a phenomenal, phenomenal event. And just sitting back, you know, sometimes you, you take things for granted of mm-hmm. the hard work that you've done. Um, you know, my wife runs the medical division. We have, you know, George is our director of the Philippines. We just, our team is just phenomenal. It's just, we, we got to do a charity event over there. We did a support event with about, I think, 100 of our support members, and then we had around 600 of the team members total come together um, on the next day. So just yeah. sitting back, that is a huge, huge win on, on that side of it. Um, also on the real estate side, we were set uh, to hopefully hit 240, I think about 45 deals this year, if everything goes well, you know, we're, wow. we're in what day we're in right now. So we yeah. might hit that number too. So That, that is phenomenal. Yep. Um, when did you know real estate was going to be your thing? Um, after the first deal. After the first deal? Yep, yep. How did that feel? Um, it felt good, obviously. To, you know, When anyone deposits that first check, mm-hmm. um, it felt great. But it was also scary as well because I had no systems. I had no process. I didn't know anything. You know, yeah. and, I, and, again, I was shiny object guy too. I, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to – to have a uh, a pre foreclosure speaker speak because if mm. it was a, a rehabber, guess what? I would have jumped in the rehabbing. <laughs> I would have gone anywhere, right? Yeah. But I was fortunate because I met Pat, and then that kind of you know led me down to the path where now you know I have a successful real estate partner here, successful you know virtual assistant company as well. Yeah. So. And then so somewhere along the way, you're right. You, you said you know 240 something deals this year. Yep. Um, let's talk about your business, right? So you this is a business you've continued since. You you transitioned in two thousand five. Like you never like took the uh, yeah, gas off kinda, the real estate. No, we did. I did hundred percent. So um, well, we did probably I don't even know a thousand plus short sale transactions because mm-hmm. negotiating with banks and all that kind of good stuff. And then the market hit. Um, specifically, did you know coaching and some deals within you know two thousand seven and two thousand fourteen. So I was you know lending money, doing some other stuff. Did a couple of rehabs mm-hmm. myself, some wholesale deals, and then. Uh, as I, you know, uh, I don't know if you, you know this story, but Adam was uh, also working for me. Mm-hmm. Adam's my real estate business partner, and he was working for my Riva company mm-hmm. um, as a salesperson. And then, uh, funny story. One day, uh, I went to a business partner breakup, flew to the Philippines, saved my business, and uh, 
I come back and Adam's like, hey, can we talk? I'm like, sure. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no. So he's sitting back. I think it was his birthday, right? It was Dan's yeah. birthday. And I didn't know it was his birthday at the time. And uh, he goes, uh, Bobby, I think I should, I want 50% of your company. And I go, what? <laughs> he goes, yep. I like, I go, dude, with all due respect, I literally was in the Philippines for, I didn't sleep at all for one full week. Mm-hmm. And he hits me with this. I'm like, dude, you, you, you got to leave. <laughs> like, so I fired him from my VA company. <laughs> Um, and then, but I always, I always knew, man, he had that grit. He had that something where people can't, you, you can't teach this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I get a letter in the mail from, from, uh, from Adam and, and it said, you know, a bunch of stuff. I'm sorry. Hey, you know, I look at you as my mentor. I want to thank you. I never would have gotten where I am, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, one day we're going to be business partners. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right. And then a week later deals that I gave him about two months prior, he pays me on. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's integrity, yeah. right? So fast forward, I think, I don't know when we became partners, but we started doing some deals together, um, started driving leads from our VAs, same thing. And then uh, 2018, I think we started a partnership again. Yeah. So certainly helps having VAs. Yep. Absolutely. To help you run your business. 100%. All right. You got to kind of have them in your back pocket already. Yep. Um, so you restarted in 2018. Pretty uh, much, yeah. Um, we really ramped it up. And ramped in, it up in 2018. Yep. Uh, so... Right now, you know, you're talking about doing, you know, a couple hundred deals for a lot of people that are listening to the show. What what are some, you know, insight? Like, what are mm-hmm. some of the key things that helped you guys grow your business to a level where you're doing 200 deals? I think you gotta you gotta look at everything as a department, mm-hmm. right? You you know, whether you have an acquisition guy, you got to start separating tasks because yeah, we could we could do them all ourselves, but if you start looking at things, the really the way they should be run. You know, we, what we did is, you know, Adam is incredible on the phone. He's probably the best salesperson. I mean, you know that. He's very, yeah. very good. Very, He's got great. He's got, you know, that tenacity to do that. But he also is, is very good at teaching. You know, mm-hmm. stuff we learn from you that we, you know, relate and, and, and give it to our sales guys, right? right? But one thing we did really well, too, is we would get bottlenecked, and we'd try to do everything with three or four guys. Mm-hmm. And then we added a TC. We started adding... Uh, more acquisition individuals. We got a, uh, you know, two. Right, so right now, I'll just give you a makeup of what we have. We have eight acquisition guys. Um, we have a TC, two dispo. Um, we have Adam. He's probably gonna correct me and add more. Uh, what do we got? A office manager that also helps TC. Mm-hmm. And then obviously we have uh, seven VAs texting, seven VAs calling, and then two following up. Got it. Um, and then, so that's that's the organization right now. Yep. Uh, you guys are. And I already know some of the answers to these questions, but I still have to ask them anyway for anyone that's listening, right? Uh, what markets are you guys in? So we actually, I don't know if you do know this, but we what we're doing is we're pulling back in our own markets. Mm-hmm. So we were in this this year, we were in Toledo, we were in Arkansas, Alabama, Louisiana, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, because we were doing a lot of work with funds too. Mm-hmm. So and that's I know you talk about that on, on this uh, podcast. Um, and obviously Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts. What we're doing now is really focusing on our backyard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you talk about this a lot of times on your on your podcast is going deeper in your own market. Right. So that's what we're going to do. But we have the ability to to go wherever we want if if we need to. If we look at our data and say, hey, you know what, we want to really ramp it up and and um, uh, get our deal count up higher. Yeah. And then uh, you were talking about you know cold calling and texting. Mm-hmm. Is that your primary marketing channel? So we do cold calling, texting, and direct mail. Those are three primary. And who are you primarily targeting? 
Um, we actually don't tar- we don't have targeted lists. Mm-hmm. So I uh, so we pull lists. I don't know. Uh, we probably pulled about a uh, hundred thousand records. Um, we're going multifamily. We're going single fa- single family. Three plus years owned. Yeah, that's really it. So that's great. I love this, right? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we've dialed back on marketing. Mm-hmm. In uh, you know, right now the message out there is like double down marketing. Everyone's pulling yeah. back now. It's time to double down. We pulled back marketing, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, for me, it was more important to survive this winter because we know how long this winter is yeah. than it is to you know like keep going hard with this uncertain market. Um, some time ago, there was myself, Jesse Burrell, who owns Batch uh, Leads, and then uh, Jared Vidal is another uh, big-time player in our market. Uh, I was a couple years ago. We literally pulled a list of everybody <laughs> in Phoenix, right, in the Maricopa yeah. County. We pulled every record. If they owned the property for four years and more, it didn't matter mm-hmm. if it was manufactured home, yep. condo, whatever. Every single homeowner, uh, we pulled that list, and we skip-traced it. And so, like, yeah, we can continue to spend money on marketing, and we are spending a little bit of money on marketing. Yeah. But we literally have almost every homeowner in the Phoenix market. <laughs> we just keep calling them yep. over and over again, and that turns into deals. Right, right, hundred percent. So that's exactly what you guys that's are doing. That's exactly what we do. Yep. So there's no need to overthink it. There's that's that's exactly what I was gonna say. No need to overthink <laughs> it. Just t- it's taking action. It's cons- yeah. inconsistency, right? Yeah. Inconsistency. Uh, so you know, having the the VAs in your back pocket, you know, for someone that's listening, like how would what are some things you guys have your VAs do? So on the cold calling texting side, I mean, it's it's very easy. I think we've talked about this before, but you're pulling a list, you're uploading it to whatever dialer you're going to use. Mm-hmm. They just have to consistently call, consistently call. And also listen to your calls. I think it's very important to tweak your script every once in a while, mm-hmm. right? And I know we talk about that in your training a lot. It's just one small tweak will make you so much money every single year. Same yeah. thing on the texting, right? So we're texting, you know, we... we We've done a, a really good job of updating some of our scripts because once you text them and then they answer, also picking up the phone, calling to really pre-screen because, you know, you could get with text messaging, you could get a hundred leads, but you know, 90 of them aren't, aren't good. All right. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it's what we identify as what a lead is. And our team, you know, our team does a really good job at home of giving us feedback saying, Hey, can we tweak the script? Because these are the type of leads that we're getting. This is what's coming in. So yeah. then we go back to our team and then we tweak the script a little bit and, and analyze it oh, from there. So that's really smart. So uh, a lot of times we recommend listening to the calls to kind of see like, you know, yep. where they, they can improve, but you're also doing this for quality control as far as what the text message Correct. is saying. Correct. And yeah. you know, the, the best way to do is get feedback from your acquisition team. Right. The guys on the front lines. Exactly right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what else? I mean, cause you have a whole agency. Yep. What services does Riva offer to uh, an investor? So everything. I mean, we have property managers that are, you know, tenants, uh, tenant renewal, tenant screening, uh, main lines, taking calls in from both uh, from both tenants and homeowners, mm-hmm. um, and a bunch of other stuff. Obviously, on the property management side, uh, agents, anything from TC work to uh, prospecting uh, for us as well, um, cold calling, um, appointment setting, uh, TC work. We got social media management. You know, I use virtual assistants for our podcast as mm-hmm. well. Um, we have clients that have marketing uh, marketing businesses. We have uh, flooring companies. We have uh, roofing companies. So there's a lot of different kind of mm-hmm. mediums that we do. So basically, if it's mm-hmm. a, an administrative task. Yep. Or anything on the phone. Or anything on the phone. Yep. A- Re- anything at all. Reva can handle it. Yep, absolutely. Gotcha. Very cool. And, you know, um, we connected – uh, through Collective Genius. I've got this yeah. nice shiny belt here in case you guys haven't seen this. <laughs> that's a win right there. That's um, a win. 
I have not gotten one of those yet, so I'm, I'm a little jealous. Yeah, well, um, I was getting pretty frustrated, you know, uh, that whole thing with achievement addiction. Like, I haven't won the belt yet, so uh, we finally won the belt. Uh, so we connected through Collective Genius, yep. right? So you talked about the importance uh, of mentorship mm -hmm. uh, earlier, but, you know, we also we connected through a mastermind. So you want to talk about, like, the value that you see within a mastermind? Absolutely. I think, um, I think everybody should join one, my mm -hmm. opinion. Um, you see... You know, you see everyone that's in different stages of their businesses. And in a mastermind, a lot of people are open with some of their challenges, right? Yeah. Like we talked a little bit about, hey, I have a tough time um, um, not jumping on this opportunity. Mm -hmm. Guess what? At a mastermind, you could talk to someone else and said, hey, listen, you got to stay focused. You got to focus on the one thing. And that's one of the things that we did in our real estate business is, you know, we talked to, to Oliver Seidler and he said, hey, listen, you got to get extremely focused on that one thing. You can't do 10 things. And that's one of the things that Adam and I came back home and we're like, yep, you know what? You got to focus on one thing. You don't get that unless you're part of a mastermind. Mm -hmm. You know, you see speakers speaking, like you'll, you'll deliver one speech and Frank will talk about something else. You know, Adam's got something else. But if you take one thing away out of any mastermind and you, you implement it, I mean, it yeah. could be game changing for anybody. Absolutely. And then we also connected through a family mastermind. So right. What was yep. really cool was not this year because of Hurricane Ian. <laughs> That's right. Right. Uh, but the year before, you know, we got to hang out. It was me, you, Chris, and uh, there was another person. I remember uh, we were all in the van together. Yep. Uh, but uh, we had a lot of fun. But, you know, talk about why you're in Family Mastermind. You know what? Um, there's just a lot of individuals from, from the coaching space, mm -hmm. from every different types of space, service providers, operators. And it's just, again, it's your network. It's, mm -hmm. you know, we're here in, in um, Arizona, right? Now I get to get to call you if we're in Arizona. There's a lot of other individuals all over, whether it's Tampa, whether it's Vegas. We were just yeah. talking about Ryan, right? He's in mm -hmm. Vegas now. So you get to meet other individuals that could help you in your businesses because, right. you know, a lot of us have multiple businesses. Uh, let's see. So let's go and jump into the audience question. So I see a lot of people here, so this is awesome. Um, let's see. Pulling this up. All right, so... Uh, we got uh, option B, so Scott. Um, uh, Willie from Reba Goldblatt has been following me for at least three years. <laughs> she is a follow-up gangster. So. Call her back then. Call Willie back. <laughs> Come on, Scott. Uh, so on YouTube, um, Milansky, I'm definitely butchering that name. What books can you give credit to when it comes to your mindset? Um, mindset? Um, I would just say mindset books. Um, I would say one of the books that I've gifted a lot is, uh, it's not a mindset book, but it's more of a, uh, a book about the reason why I started my VA company and, and a company it's, uh, it's, uh, Darren Hardy, uh, compound effect. Compound effect. Yeah. yeah. So I, I would, I would say that one mindset books. I don't know. You have any I'm trying to think of it, you yeah. know, uh, as far as mindset, you know, I'm sure David Goggins, right? Was it? That's what can't hurt me. I actually just listened to that audio. I, I, I don't consider, if I listen to books on audio, I really don't consider them <laughs> reading a book. Uh, but that one is actually really good. So I'd have to it? say. And Jocko Will, uh, Willink is uh, Extreme, Extreme ownership. ownership. That's a good one. Yeah. So, you know, the irony of, uh, of um, you know, you can't hurt me or you can't break me, whatever yeah. that book. I couldn't finish that book. Um, <laughs> I just couldn't, you know. And I don't know. This could be, maybe my head's just too big, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't need someone to tell me to to, to pursue or to uh, to uh, be not unrelenting because right, you already are. I'm I'm already unrelenting, <laughs> right? right? I'm already taking action. I'm already action. I'm already biased towards taking action. My yep. problem is not take more action. My my problem is how do I take less action? So 
So maybe you should write a book called Hurt Me. <laughs> yeah, <I don't> <laughs> uh, uh, there was another one. Uh, I, I think it was like Angela Duckworth. She wrote the book Grit. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I actually read that book as well. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I was able to – I read some great snippets from it. I haven't actually yeah. uh, picked out a book. It's one on my ever-growing list of books it is. Perfect. to read. Uh, so definitely check out. So David Goggins I'm, – I'm saying these books I haven't read, right? <laughs> David Goggins, uh, You Can't Hurt Me, and, uh, and Grit. And then uh, on Instagram, Dean Rogers says, Bob is the man. Dean, what's up, buddy? How are you? Uh, so Military Might on YouTube, how did you establish and scale the VA business in the Philippines? So, um, you know, if we were to dial it back, you know, yeah. if someone were to go start a VA business today, yeah. what are the first two or three things they would have to do to build a VA business? Yeah, you got to make sure that you're structured correctly um, in the Philippines, first mm -hmm. and foremost, with LLCs and things like that. Um, and you have to have the right team. So both here, obviously, on the on the sales side of it and in the operations side mm -hmm. in the Philippines or anywhere, if it's Mexico or wherever you're going to go, you have to yeah. have you have to have a boots on the ground that's going to help you there. Mm -hmm. uh, so boots on the ground and then up, uh, and then sales out here. How would you find boots on the ground in the Philippines? You start with getting your first virtual assistant yeah. and finding the best talent and then building from there. So uh, Upwork, right? That's yep. Because yep. it used to be like. Like uh, Odesk, and then there was the other Odesk, one. Upwork, yeah. Yep. Right, and they all kind of merged into in Upwork. Like, how do you, I mean, how do you find your first quality VA? Because I tried Upwork some time ago, mm -hmm. yep. right? And it was a disaster. Yeah, you got, right. I mean, you're going to have to. <laughs> so this is why, and this is why I'm in business, because, you know, you have to go through hundreds of applications to get one person. Mm -hmm. So that would, that's what I recommend. Go through hundreds of applications <laughs> to find that one person. And yeah. you, you know, the first person may not work out. Just keep going. Don't mm -hmm. quit. If that's something you really want to do, just don't quit and just keep going and you'll yeah. find the right person. Yeah. And I look at, um, you know, we talk about how do you find uh, quality people? Yep. And we all just think that we're naturally able to just find quality people. <laughs> and in my experience, you have to hire, well, you have to screen a lot of people yep. to find the people that qualify for an interview. And then from the interview, you got to qualify them to see that you can invite them mm -hmm. to the company. But it doesn't stop there. It's still a numbers no. game, right? You can hire 10 people. Yep. Three of them are going to be great. Oh, 100%. Right? So yeah. it's just, it's a numbers game like everything else. I think a referral, I, you know, I think we talked about this too. It's referrals are the best. Mm -hmm. um, I think so for you, if you, you know, you, you want to do that, I would look for referrals as well. Yeah. That's a great, great point. Um, and then uh, how long did it take? Same guy. How long did it take to scale to a thousand? <laughs> Started in 2014. <laughs> so just eight short years. Yep, eight short years. Yeah. Uh, how difficult would it be for a new investor to outsource VAs to the Philippines or setting up a new VA in 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 the Philippines? So are you saying how how long would it take you to get set up? Uh, how difficult would it be for a new investor to outsource VAs to the Philippines or setting up a new VA business? I get. So I guess you're saying you had to get certified, right? Or not certified, but you had to create an organization. Like I imagine. You have an so does LC this person here. want me to help him start a VA company? This is it, what it, he's it's, asking. It's sounding like there's to, to an extent, <laughs> yeah. but like, do you start like do you um you create LC here, right? Yep. Do you create LC in the Philippines? Yes. Like, so they have LCs in the Philippines. Yep. Gotcha. And then another one from uh, uh the other person. Uh, anything you can credit or give tips to when it comes to negotiating your deals with sellers. I mean, yeah, I would say get your uh, get Steve's sales training. Yeah. I mean, that's what I would say because we we follow your sales training to a T. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's if you're gonna go on your own. I mean, the beauty of what you have in your sales training is you have I don't know how many how many 
you know, clients like me, you have mm -hmm. on there and, and Adam. 50 but plus, yeah. Yeah, 50 plus. So they every we all give feedback and mm -hmm. we're gonna we're gonna get the better answer because once an industry changes, your answer is gonna change. Yeah. Right. And so today's answer that we're gonna give you, whoever whoever asked that yeah. question, it may change tomorrow. So being in being part of an organization like yours, mm -hmm. sales organization, and and getting the collaborative answers, that's really that's the best answer I could give. Yeah. And you know, like that's been like the single greatest uh, benefit uh, for me as as a trainer is in working with the best in the country. Yep. The answers evolve, and periodically will just come onto just by happenstance yep. a better answer. Right. And this is the new standard. Yep. But now everyone has the new standard. Yeah. Right. And and guess what? Your answer is going to change for your exit strategy. Mm -hmm. Right, yep. and it changed a little bit. So yeah, um, so we were talking yesterday, right? Like, hey, you know, how do we uh, pitch innovations now? Yep. Right. Uh, we talked about innovations in the past, but how do we pitch innovations today versus how we were pitching it six months ago? All different. Yep. Um, and then Alex signs. Thank you, Alex. <laughs> I love Steve, so appreciate that. Um, and then, what are the top marketing channels you're using VAs for? So we already talked about it a moment ago, but you want to say it again? Yep. So we do a bunch of cold calling. We do a bunch of text messaging. Um, we also do direct mail. I know other people are using virtual assistants for some PPC, whether they're going to take inbound calls or pre-screen calls. Um, but those are the main main channels that we use them. Um, and we also use them, obviously, for branding, for social media posting, et cetera. So we were talking, uh, Jason Lewis and I, mm -hmm. right, when we have um, a, a perspective on VAs taking leads from PPC. Yep. Uh, I, I would much rather have your acquisition person because mm -hmm. they're expensive. So yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. If you're going to spend a yep. lot of money, right, to get someone to call Correct. you, you want to have your top sales guy taking yes. the call. Agreed 100%. Not your yep. VA. Not your VA. Uh, I agree. Are you guys focused predominantly uh, in the Philippines? You guys don't do anything in South America? Uh, right now, no, we don't. Okay. It's all in the, or all in the Philippines. So, so uh, here's been my experience. I'd love to get your perspective on this. Yep. So when we hire a, Philip, uh, a VA in the Philippines mm -hmm. and then a VA in Central America or, uh, or South America, what we found in our experience is that in the Philippines, they are more consistent, mm -hmm. right? Except for like weather outages, <laughs> yeah. they're consistent, right? They're showing up. Yep. But they're not as great on the phones, mm -hmm. right? But if we get someone from Central or South America, they're better on the phones, right? Culturally, they're more on the same page as Americans. But man, they have way more issues showing up on time for work. Yeah. Have They're, you found that? Um, so I have not tested South America in a long time. Okay. Um, but I just do know for, you're exactly right. And, and I look at our business, consistency is king. It so is. If, if you have somebody show up to work, if you have somebody dial all day long, somebody text all day long, and it's consistently done, you're going to win over time rather mm -hmm. than hoping somebody comes <laughs> in. Right? It's like it's like your top acquisition guy. Right? He only comes in half the time. It's He's taking a desk space against somebody else, a desk spot right. over somebody else where you could actually get someone in there that's going to be consistent. And over time, that person that's consistent is going to make, make you way more money. Yeah, consistency will always win yep. in the long run. Uh, let's see here. Uh, how many, Nick Ferrar on YouTube, about how many cold calls can a VA make per day? Um, it all depends if you're part-time, full-time. Um, it depends if you're doing manual dialing <laughs> or you're using a dialer. Mm -hmm. Um, so on average, just go from 400 to 700, I'll just say. Yeah. And that's been our experience as well. About, yep. uh, about 400, 600, maybe. Yeah. 400 to 600. Yep. Uh, we've had VAs go higher. Um, you know, what, what always scares me when I see a high, a high number yeah. is that they might've gone 
for against protocol yeah. from a triple line to like <laughs> yeah, they're, they're hammering your data too yeah or so, hammering your data and yeah. you get more like people that answer that mm -hmm. we didn't talk to so like it always we always yeah. throttle the upper limit we want to we have a baseline yep but we also have a a, a throttle on the upper side I, I agree and that is a misconception a lot of people well it's uh i have one va call a thousand dials a day i'm like no nah, that shouldn't you should not do that because you're going to burn data and you're you know all of the, your ratios are going to change. There's just a bunch of stuff that could be a negative on that side of it, too. Yeah, and I haven't tested this myself, but I've heard people say, you know, doing a single-line dialer, even though you're not hitting as many dials, the number of quality conversations actually doesn't even change. Yeah. Have yeah. you found that to be the same I thing I found that well? to be the same, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, let's see here. Um, so, guys, you know, keep asking your questions uh, for Bob to answer, uh, and we'll definitely get back to the questions in, in a moment. So how does, how does your day look right now balancing multiple businesses? Yeah, so typically I I'm probably get the office about, uh, well, Mondays my first meeting starts at 8 a.m. Um, and then 8 a.m.? 8 a.m., yeah, Eastern Standard Time, 8 a.m. <laughs> so I have my sales, meet, sales call, 8 a.m. I typically do all my virtual assistant stuff mm -hmm. in the morning time, so probably you know, from 8 to, to 11 and then the rest of the day is real estate stuff. But I'm doing podcasts um, pretty often. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, I work a lot. So I have yeah. my phone on me all the time, just like you. I mean, I love working. Adam and I, is my real estate business partner, we talk probably 9,000 times a day, even if we're, you know, we're not in the office together. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, that's usually what I do. That's how I structure it, my, mm -hmm. my VA stuff more in the morning time. And then uh, real estate stuff towards the afternoon. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense because you don't really have as many VA fires in the morning. Right, correct. Uh, but we have a lot of real estate fires in the afternoon. Yes, that's exactly right. I've noticed they start somewhere around 1030 <laughs> to lunch, and then they last the whole day. Yep. Right? It's like a Tesla. Like, they don't, like the fire just doesn't go out. <laughs> um, so what freedom has, you know, having these businesses uh, allowed you? What freedoms? Um, you know, for me, I have three kids that play hockey. Um, I coach. I coached all my kids growing up. And oh, really? One of the things that I... Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm here. My kids, both my kids have, have games today, which kind of, you know, during the week, they usually don't have games, but now they're in prep school, so they have mm -hmm. games on Wednesday. But it's uh, having the ability to, to either coach them or, um, you know, coach them in practice or, or see them all the time. So yeah. that's the freedom for me personally, how, what business does for me. So um, I've heard hockey, there's two things with hockey. <laughs> A, really expensive to have your kids in hockey. Yep. And then B, it is not like, hey, I'm interested in hockey. Like, if you're doing hockey, it is a commitment. Uh, yes and yes. <laughs> so it is expensive and it is a commitment. But you know what I find? Hockey people are great. They're, yeah. They just have that mentality of, of they got a lot of, of, of the business mentality. Mm -hmm. Like, they, it, it's a commitment. You set goals. It, you're there to win. It's not everyone gets a trophy. It's, mm -hmm. you know, there's one trophy. That's it. You don't win it. You know, that... And that's more of the old age thinking, but I, you know, the newer age, the newer parents coming up, not as much, but, um, the way I coach, I coach the way, you know, we were brought up. Yeah. You know, uh, a story I've shared before was that, you know, when I was in first grade, you know, six years old, we had, you know, this field competition, this and that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, one of the things was who can make it across the field the fastest with a, an egg on their spoon, you know, <laughs> yeah. just these silly games. And I totally cheated. You know, I put my thumb on the spoon. Yeah, so I was just say thumb on the spoon. Totally cheated and got caught, right? Like, yeah. these, they're not dumb, right? Yeah. 
six years old, you think you can get away with anything, right? <laughs> so I got, I got caught. And I remember afterwards, and this is not that long ago. I mean, this is a long time ago, but it did, I don't think this is the trophy, ever, participation trophy era yet, but this is the beginning of it. Yeah. I remember they gave me a blue ribbon. <laughs> right? I got caught cheating. Like, not only did I lose, I just got disqualified. And they gave me a blue ribbon. And I asked them, like, why did I get a blue ribbon? And they're like, everyone gets a blue ribbon, right? <laughs> and right after they walked away, I threw it in the trash, right? It was like, what the heck? Well done. I would have done the same <laughs> What is this uh, rewarding yeah. me uh, for cheating nonsense, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so going back to this, three kids in hockey, like what kind of time commitment is this after hours? So, well, now it's a lot less because my, my oldest, I got 18, 15, and 13 now. Um, I, the only one I coach now. But before. But like before, what, it was, was sometimes I coaching four days a week and, mm -hmm. and games, so probably six days a week. Yeah. Were you running practices too? I was running practices. So you're running yeah. practices after school. Yep. And then coaching the games. Exactly. Yep. I mean, like, this is probably like you're eating, sleeping, breathing, Yeah, every, everything on top of. But it was good. It was after school, so practice would start maybe 5 o'clock mm -hmm. earliest. And then uh, so I'm probably – Three, four days a week there, and then uh, weekends. So okay. for me, it was, it's all it's it's the best. It's just the way it was. Yeah. Yep. So, and I'm asking these questions, right? Because there are people that are gonna be listening that you know may have multiple business ventures, mm -hmm. and they're trying to balance a family. Yep. So, what advice do you have for them? You make it work. Um, to be honest, you got to divide and conquer. You got a husband and a wife, or even if you're a single parent, um, you make it work. There's people there that could help you. You get rides from friends, um, but there's always a way. You'll do anything for your kids. Mm -hmm. You'll make sure you make it work, and if it's something that you're passionate about, yeah. no matter what, you'll find it. You'll find a way. All right, make it a priority. Yep. Uh, all right, let's see here, uh, Jared. Um, what are the processes of a VA workload? I guess going back to the VAs, like what are they responsible for? I mean, are they a, a nine to five, five days a week? Like how do how, what's their workload like? So we have a so we offer part time, full time, whether mm -hmm. it's four times uh, or four hours a week or four hours a day, sorry, or eight hours a day. Uh, five days a week. So it's the it's whatever task you want them to do. So mm -hmm. for let's if you want a cold caller, they're gonna start for us, they start typically at nine AM and then they'll end at six. Yeah. So that's what we have them do. And then what kind of real estate training are you giving your VAs? Uh we're doing phone handling, soft skill training, um, how to text message, how to build buyers lists, um, you know, laundry list of stuff. Yeah. And then are there any KPIs that you hold your, your uh, VAs accountable to? Um, well, every day they send an end-of-day report, so we know how many text messages or cold calls they mm -hmm. do. Um, I, don't, I haven't really looked at them, to be honest with you, in yeah. a long time. We just know how many leads we get, and we're getting a lot of leads in, and, and our sales floor is happy. I talk to Adam often, um, and I say, hey, do we need to ramp it up? And he's like, no, we're good because our acquisition guys are either you know have enough leads or mm -hmm. not. So that's the way I do it. I should have better KPIs, to be honest with you. But mm -hmm. I, I, every time I talk to Adam and say, hey, are we good? Are we good? Should we add in more? Should we pull it back? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, for the VAs that – for people that are hiring your VAs, mm -hmm. really it's their KPIs, right? Correct. The, cl Correct. the client's KPIs yep. that the VAs are held accountable to. And also you could look at it as, um, you know, whatever kind of tool you use, right? If it's if it's cold calling, I'll give you that, that you're going to call four to $600 a day as mm -hmm. an example. So there's a KPI for you. You want to look at what the connect rate is, how many times they actually connect, and then how many of those connect rates turn to a, we call them ITSs, interested to sell. Mm -hmm. So look at those three numbers. That's what I would do. Same thing on the, on the text message side because different platforms will allow you to text more mm -hmm. or less because that's yeah. changing on a daily basis. 
it's absolutely changing yep. on a daily basis. It's actually why we stopped texting. You know, it might yeah. not have been the right decision, but man, it it really felt like uh, you know, when you go to like Chuck E. Cheese, right, and you got like the <laughs> you got whack them all, whack them all, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it turns it totally turned into like it seems like every day we're trying to figure out how to game the system. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, for us, texting been phenomenal, phenomenal. Yeah. Why here it's getting better because more and more people are getting out of it. Yep. Uh, so what is your why? What keeps you moving? You know, obviously there's family there. Um, but aside from that, um, I would I would say, you know what, um, you know, for for me on the VA side, you know, mm-hmm. one of our missions is obviously to help um, bring on more and more Filipinos people because individuals because of what we could offer their families. I mean, yeah. that's, you know, in – just coming from our event has been, you know, it's just incredible. So if anyone could watch that video, I don't know, I'll post it somewhere. Just yeah. watch. It's really cool, um, really heart, heartfelt, and you get to see the smiles. And, and here's the thing. If you help one person, one person that works for you, look at how many other individuals you help, mm-hmm. right? They have Maybe they're taking care of their mother, their father, their brothers, their sisters. So that's a lot. You know, in the Philippines, it's very family-oriented. And mm-hmm. just by helping one person, it spreads and helps a lot of people. On the real estate side, it's uh, setting goals, you know, working with Adam on a daily basis. He's uh, motivating, inspiring, and just, uh, you know, when you when you work as a team to try to hit goals, there's nothing better, yeah. you know, and it just keeps you going. And, and you know, once you hit a, you know, it's kind of funny. I never even fathom uh, closing 100 deals in a year. No joke. And and all of a sudden, now we're at 200. Mm-hmm. Now we're looking to go to three, 400. So it's, right. once you hit that, 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 that goal, you know, it's kind of like, all right. That's it. Mm-hmm. Now you want to go next. You want to go next. So I think on the real estate side, it's just just keep going, hitting those goals. Yeah, I love what you said there because um, you know we had one VA and she bought a home, right? And oh, yeah. when she bought a home, it, it's not for her, mm-hmm. her whole family, right? She's not even married, right? right. It's for her whole family. Yeah, and, like, and we actually keep those stats too. Yeah. How many people get credit cards? How many? How many of our individuals get car loans? Get houses? So it's really cool. So every we actually had a, a Wednesday call. We have our HR and HR call, and uh, we cover all those statistics. Pretty cool. That those are really like, yeah. That's how we know you care, right? Yeah. Like yeah. that's really awesome. And one of the other thing too, and um, we haven't done it this year, but you know, in like years where we've done really, really well, is um, the in the Philippines, right? Like it's not unusual for some companies to give like their uh, a full month of salary mm-hmm. as, a, as, as a Christmas bonus. Have you guys ever done anything like that? Uh, the bigger it gets, tough. <laughs> it's very difficult. <laughs> yeah, because the margins, you know, it's it's a margin business, and it's very right. very very difficult to do that. Yeah. Um, what is your biggest struggle today? Biggest struggle today, um, I would have to say, so on the if I talk about real estate side, we're looking to grow, mm-hmm. and it's um, getting the right people. Yeah. You know, here stateside. If you look at hiring someone local, we're in Connecticut, and it's different than hiring in Florida. It's different than hiring in maybe Arizona. I don't know, but it's it's really getting the right people. Um, what we've done a good job, and we continue to do a good job of, is we're looking for ex-military, ex-athletes. That's who we want to fill our floor with, mm-hmm. um, and those are the eight individuals that we have right now. Yeah, we, that's what we look to to bring on. So, like everybody else, I think we talked about this. It's it's bringing in the right right people. Yep. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned uh, earlier on the show, we we're talking about, you know, everyone says, hey, we got to cut back expenses and mm-hmm. everyone cuts back expenses. Uh, I remember uh, our VA, our top VA, she had to take a personal day. Yep. Not for herself, but because how many of her family members got laid off, right? And this is early this year, you know, like yep. as the recession kind of started affecting more and more people. Mm-hmm. Like the first place people let go were their VAs. Did you experience that? 
Um, at the beginning, it's kind of like COVID, right? So same thing. So mm. People would just, you know, um, investors would start getting rid of and, and just getting rid of their VAs. I saw it take a little dip, mm-hmm. um, but we were also kind of, we're, we're, we're kind of evening out, right? So I saw that at the beginning and now it's starting to go back up. Yep. Um, how do you stay motivated? How do I stay motivated? Um, well, when you have a thousand VAs, you got no choice, um, or a thousand individual families that, um, you're helping, you know, to, to be successful in the feed every day. Um, I think that is, that's something that, uh, unless you didn't have a heartbeat, you wouldn't be able to go. But I think for me, that's an extremely motivating factor on that side of it. And it's also like a real estate company too. Um, you have individual salespeople, dispo, TC, everyone profits from the hard work that you do, um, mm-hmm. by the leads that you drive, the VAs drive. And I think it's just, if you look at other people first, before you look at yourself, um, I think that in the end, that's, it's going to help you personally out tenfold. Yeah. And how do you measure success? Uh, you know what? Um, it changes every year, every year, every, every year you get older, it changes. Um, maybe it's, you know, for me, I think success is we have two kids that are in prep school right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's success. Um, every time they do well in hockey, I feel like I, I win too. It's yeah. not my success, but it's, it's their success. Uh, but business wise, I think, um, you know, when you set a team goal and everyone reaches it, mm-hmm. that to me is success. I don't think there's any, you know, there's no, for me, it's, there's no individual success because, you know, you, you, you look at every business and, and I look at both of my businesses, you're only as good as your team. You're only as good as, you know, their output. They're only as good as, you know, their leadership. So right. I think it's, that's the best way I could. Yeah. It's something that we talked about. Like your team can only go as far as you can lead them Yep, and you can only go as far as your team can help you. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Uh, Brutus empire uh, wants to know uh, what is your average margin per deal right now? So we're around, and Adam can maybe correct me on that. I think we're around twenty thousand dollars, give or take a thousand dollars. And that that could change tomorrow because we got some big deals. We got some smaller deals yeah. that average out. So around twenty thousand dollars. I know we were up a little higher than that a little while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, but I don't know exactly. I got to ask Adam. So one thing that we kind of uh, see right on the, on the sales calls, on the sales training calls that we do in the mornings, is that it seems to be that because you guys are going through multiple markets. Mm-hmm. It seems to be the Northeast seems to be a lot less patient on the phones. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's oof, unbelievable. So, you know, but then you guys expand, you know, to the South mm-hmm. and this and that. Did you notice conversations became more pleasant? Like, what was you guys experiencing? 1,000%. People in the Northeast, it's like, it's kind of like when you, when you go up to them and you say hi, they're like, what's your angle? Right. Yeah. People down <laughs> South, it's, you know, they're real. Oh, how are you? Really nice to mm-hmm. talk to you. Oh, nice meeting you. Blah, blah, blah. You know, thank you. Please. Yeah. Northeast, it's just they're they're rougher, but I love it. Is it the bitter cold weather? Like what? Oh what? my dude, it, it's it's about eighteen degrees right now, so yeah. it is bitter cold weather. But I just think it's just a different mentality. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's city life. You know, yeah. Boston people. You got New York people. It's you know we're a mix there in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. So you deal with just different type of in, individuals, and um, I personally like it because there's grit, mm-hmm. right? If you learn how to sell to anyone in the Northeast, you could go anywhere in the country. So you guys, the, the level of difficulty is just a little bit higher. Oh, it's high. it is it is higher. Yeah. Uh, any tips for dealing with someone that's a, a strong personality in the Northeast? You got to find commonality. Mm-hmm. You got to find some sort of commonality, right? If if they have kids, you got to talk kids. They have dogs, they're pets. Talk pets, right? Yeah. It's, it's I think that's finding that commonality quick. Uh, so uh, PB lacks, right? If they want to work with one of your VAs, do they get to start? Do they get to interview them before starting with? Yes. Them? 
Yep, we put you on three interviews. We'll do PI as well, predictive index. You guys do PI for IVAs? Yep. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I imagine that bill's got to be pretty expensive. It's <laughs> it's up there. <laughs> we have the base package. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Jared is, uh, what cri- what criteria do you look for when employing a new VA? So I guess maybe on the <laughs> on Reva Global, but then if you're looking to hire a VA, what are some criteria? So from two Yeah, so I would I would look at the PI or disc profiling or whatever mm-hmm. and uh, look what their resume is. Yeah. Do they have experience? If you want someone on the phone, make sure they have experience on the phone or their PI or disc shows that they have the ability to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, we could go, this could be an hour <laughs> conversation. Right, personality profiles. Personality profiles, et cetera. So if I was looking to hire a VA and I saw that they're really analytical mm-hmm. for cold calling. No. No. <laughs> yeah, don't hire them. You want them for bookkeeping or, yeah. you know, posting online, et cetera. But yeah. you want to make sure that they have the right profile. So really, we're talking about screening a VA is no different than screening a candidate to work in your organization. 100%. Gotcha. All right. And then uh, what is your superpower? Uh, I would probably say building teams and culture. Um, I enjoy that. I think that's, for me, is is the best part of anything. It's mm-hmm. Because, you know, when you like going to work or you love going to work, it, it's not work anymore. Mm-hmm. It's you have the right individuals, you have the right team that you're talking to every day. It's just... That's that's happiness. That's yeah. that's fun. Rather than you know, rather than looking at it the other way, I think it's like for me, I would say that's my superpower. Uh, so if I was to ask Adam, what would he say? I don't know. I think he'd probably say the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what if I talked to Pat? Jeez, uh, I don't know. It's been a long time. <laughs> um, he'd probably say uh, uh, team. Team. Working as a team. That was the fourth person when we were out in Tampa. It was oh, that's me, you, Pat. Chris, that's and Pat. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. what it was. I knew that was a fourth that's person. Right. We keep talking about it too. It's right in front of our face. <laughs> so it's yeah. funny. Um, how did you learn uh, your greatest lesson? Probably I'd have to give it to my parents. Mm-hmm. You know, the way we grew up is kind of a lot of times the way we the, the way we are now. And uh, you know, my father was a, always coached me in in, uh, in sports, and it was always about team. It wasn't about you know. It doesn't matter if my brother was the best player on the team or I was the best player on the team. It's it's a team effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you always in Connecticut? Uh, I was born in Mass, but I was just born there, and I lived in Connecticut all my life. Gotcha. Uh, do you know, so we were talking about PI. What is your profile? Uh, Maverick. Maverick. Yep. Right, like every other wholesaler. Here, right? <laughs> That's right. So how did you balance the uh, the Maverick with team? Because Maverick and team are not necessarily aligned. I was actually surprised I was a Maverick, and I did it twice, and I was a Maverick. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm – I have no idea. It's just uh, for me, it's – I always look at a team first, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. So I don't know why I would, I, I, I got. Um, well, it's not that they're necessarily mutually exclusive. I think Mavericks just have to lead the team. Yeah. Right. But what part about it surprised you? Um, it- I don't know. I just, um, you know, I don't, I look at it as, as no matter what. I look at it as, I look, uh, how am I going to benefit you first? Mm-hmm. Right. So I guess that's leadership. Yeah. If you really, if you really uh, boil it down, but. If you look at something like when I'm sitting here, I'm like, all right, how, how could I benefit you? I'm on mm-hmm. your show. What does that look for you? And in right. the end, you know, you end up getting what you want in the mm-hmm. end. But it's, yeah. it's, but you have to, it's got to be sincere. It's not, it can't be BS. It can't mm-hmm. be like, hey, Steve, like, how could I, you know, how could I serve you first? Like a lot of people, when they say that, they're, they're in there's off, an angle. They're, yeah, there's an angle to it. Yeah. Um, I think if you, if you cut the, the angles out of it and you're really sincere about it, then it, it's a win win always. Yeah. Was anything on your profile that surprised you? Um, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. Um, so which failure did you learn the most from? I would have to say the 9-1 loss. Um, actually, there was another loss, too. Uh, we lost 150. This is with Pat. 
when Pat and I were business partners back in 2005, uh, we got a uh, can't miss deal. You know, you know one of those can't Slam miss down. deal. Slam you down, need, to you put need to put but you need to go right now today. Yeah, right now <laughs> we need to put 150 thousand dollars non-refundable gone hard right away on a knockdown rebuild in Greenwich, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. Guess what happened? It was not that good deal. <laughs> no, we couldn't get our money back. We actually hired a, a, a Greenwich attorney for $450 an hour. Mm -hmm. uh, we were in $10,000 deep in that, and we had to cut and run and uh, lost hundred fifty grand. But yeah. the lesson to that um, was shiny object syndrome. Mm -hmm. um, and there's, no, there, there's never a can't-miss deal. All that is BS. Don't listen to that. What was the red flags on that one? Um, for me, I was so new. At it, I knew nothing was going on. I, you know, I'm I'm a short sale investor. I did one rehab. Why would I ever get involved in a knockdown rebuild right down the street of Regis Philbin in mm -hmm. Greenwich, Connecticut? I should never. So you know, there's a lot of red flags because what was wrong with the deal? Why didn't Why didn't that pencil out? Um, there were a lot of permits that you know didn't get fixed out for a knockdown rebuild. A lot was too small. We had a modular house going in, et cetera, et cetera. So, Lots of reasons why. Yeah, and and again, I knew nothing about yeah. this because this is not my industry. Yeah, that's one of the lessons I've learned um, is uh, if you have to move quick, like if you have to move quick, it's not meant to be. Yeah, and, and don't get caught up in it. Don't let your heart beat so fast. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, I'm going to make a million dollars because you won't. Right. Uh, not to say it'll never happen, but if right. I were to bet, you're losing money. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> um, and then you said, what was the book you gifted more than any other? Uh, Compound Effect. Compound Darren Effect. Darren Hardy. Yep. Yeah, I'm a giant Darren Hardy fanboy, so I definitely appreciate that. Uh, so, uh, Ala Bumani, timely question. How do I get in contact with your team? Cool. Yeah, just uh, you can check us out at uh, Reva Global, R E V A Global.com, mm -hmm. um, and uh, set up a strategy session or check us out on Instagram and Facebook and all that kind of good stuff. Yep. And then uh, I'm analytical. This is Justin on Facebook. I'm analytical and trying to get started in wholesaling on acquisition sides. Am I going against the grain? Yeah, I mean, analytical acquisition, yeah. <laughs> you definitely are. But does that mean you can't be successful? No. No. If you actually take action. And good thing about you is, all right, and I'm going to give you a plug, Steve, is if you're analytical and you follow a process, you may be better off than the non-analytical that won't follow the process. Yeah. So that's a positive I would, t I would take. And I would also, you have to uh, probably jump into a coaching program like yours, Steve, yeah. and uh, surround yourself with other individuals that are, maybe a different type of personality that will help push you. Absolutely. I think that's a wonderful answer because are you going against the grain? Absolutely going against the grain. Does that mean you, it won't work? 100% no, Correct. right? Like we all get to create our own destiny, right? Like yep. we had uh, David Richter here yesterday. We recorded a special show and he talked about how like uh, this is from, I think, uh, Crucial Conversations is that we're all holding the pen and we get to write our own destiny, Yep. right? I like it. Don't let anyone tell you you can't do anything. You may have a harder time getting hired yeah. as an acquisition rep, right? Being analytical. But don't let anyone tell you you can't do it because if you look at my disc, yeah. no one would hire me. Actually, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, our good friends, Phil Green, Eric Geisen, yeah. they, uh, I asked them, hey, can you just do me a favor? Can you just act it, like send me the assessments as if you were going to hire me yeah. and then help me review it? And they looked at it and they laughed and they're like, yeah, we would never hire you. <laughs> True. Right. It is 100 percent It's funny. The, the first time I ever spoke in front of anyone, it was in front of 350 people. This is, uh, I think it's back in 2007, 2008, and mm -hmm. I it, and I was scared. You know what? Let's created a short sale course, and uh, Than couldn't go, Pat couldn't go, and they're like, "Hey, you're next." I'm like, 
<laughs> what are you talking about? So if I could do that, that was not my disc. That was none of my profile back then. So if yeah. I could do it, you could do it. Right. Absolutely. So uh, I want you to uh, think about what you want to leave the listeners with yeah. while I make a couple of quick announcements. Uh, guys, you get value today. Please like, subscribe, share, comment, whatever we can do to help the algorithms push our material to help more people. Like I am very genuine. I'm very serious when I say we're trying to create 100 millionaires. Um, we do have our uh, sales masterclass. Uh, check it out. We're going to be, uh, there's 50% off through the rest of the year. Uh, reach out to my team to find out more about that. And then we do have Benson Juarez coming out next week. And he's going to be talking about how some other investors are finding access to deals uh, with little to no marketing costs. So uh, last thoughts, what would you like to leave everybody with? I would say, you know, in, in we're in a changing market and I think there's opportunity. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know there's opportunity because there's going to be a lot of individuals that will be falling out of the business. Mm -hmm. And I would say, you know, coming right after Christmas, after the new year, um, I would double down. I would yeah. jump in two feet. Um, I would build my team. I would expand rather than pull back, in mm -hmm. my opinion. Again, this is exactly what we're doing because I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity. Um, yeah. And if you're brand new, I would definitely, definitely, definitely say hire a coach, mentor, get training because that's the only thing that's going to keep you in front of in front of the pack ahead of everybody else yeah you know what i didn't even ask this question i should have asked you earlier how much is going through the 2007 times going to help you this time oh it's huge i mean yeah. it's you know for me it's kind of funny adam you know adam has not gone through that so he doesn't he doesn't know that but yeah. it's kind of funny so going from from um uh mastermind to mastermind you see the individuals that have never felt have never got beat up like we did back mm -hmm. in the day yeah and, uh, you know, for us old timers, I like to say old timer, I'm not old, but um, it's kind of funny how we don't get emotionally messed up anymore. That, yeah. Back in the day, you just, you know. You've already been through this. You've already been through it. Yeah, like, hey, you know, and we've already, uh, you know, I've been looking at this for a long time. Yeah. You know, Adam and I have done a good job of, of putting, putting away reserves. Mm -hmm. So in every business, you should have been thinking about, hey, put away reserves for six months, maybe a year to make sure that you could keep, keep the ship going. Yeah, be easy sailing. Yep. Um, yeah, because one of the things that uh, Jason shared, you know, on stage uh, in his opening, right? Like, some of you guys are 33 years old, and you're like, "What the heck is going on?" Yeah. Some of you guys are 53 years old, and you guys are excited. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so, if someone wants to get a hold of you again, one more time, how do they get a yep. hold of you? Uh, you could go to our website, Reva Global, R E V A Global dot com. We're also on, like I said, Instagram, Facebook, um, LinkedIn, etc. All right, perfect. Thank you very much. Cool. Thanks, Thank Bob. you very much. Thanks for having me. I see you guys it. all next week.